Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hits! Browns are going to win! Bayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. fans now cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns hey there everybody welcome back to cover two this is dan kadar joined as always by browns beat writer nate ulrich nate how have you been good dan how are you very very good we're uh, in the the final run-up to the 2021 nfl draft and so today we are going to talk about a few things that Browns head coach Andrew, ooh, uh, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski had to say, as well as general manager Andrew Barry. Nate, I got Andrew Barry on the mind because he uh, spoke to you guys today. We're recording this uh, later on Friday afternoon, so we're going to break that down. We're going to talk about the fifth-year options for Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward getting picked up. Uh, we might talk about Sheldon Richardson a little bit. And next week, the plan the plan is to talk a little more straightforward draft stuff as we do uh, or have done every year the week of the draft. So that that's the roadmap. Um, again, you can find everything that Nate and our Browns team does over at BeaconJournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There is a ton of it, and it's really good. So check that out there. But Nate. You, you had the two big, big names speak to the media this week. Has your view of the Browns and the draft changed at all after hearing from Stefanski and Barry? It's cornerback all the way. I'm just kidding, Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not backing off my galley boy bet with you. You're always supposed to take the field, right? Well, I took cornerback over the field. Uh, I guess one thing did kind of pique my interest out of all the stuff that was said and wasn't said and all the sidestepping that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski successfully executed. When we talked to Kevin Stefanski, I thought it was interesting. He was asked about Odell Beckham Jr.'s rehab from the torn ACL, obviously. And Andrew, and uh, Kevin Stefanski, of course, I'm almost said Andrew Barry there. Kevin Stefanski threw Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams in and said they're all doing well, along with Odell and the rehab. But he really just kind of started going on and on about Greedy and how he keeps getting good news and how proud he is of Greedy. And I think some of that is some genuine genuine happiness for Greedy. But it was just it just raised my eyebrows a little bit because. Here's a head coach who, who really doesn't say a whole lot and doesn't reveal too much. 
very often. He kind of went out of his way. I mean, he wasn't even asked about Greedy Williams and just kind of started going on and on about Greedy Williams and his health. And I thought that was almost an attempt to perhaps throw us off the scent of quarterback, cornerback a little bit. So, you know, if I'm interpreting that correctly, who knows? But I guess there's a chance. And uh, if that is the correct interpretation, then I still feel that cornerback is the most likely route for the first round. And I've got a galley boy riding on it, so <laughs> why not? Well, here here's my thought about the cornerback thing. And it's that if you want one of the big three cornerbacks, if you want to tab them that, and that's Patrick Sertain, who will go very high, J.C. Horn of South Carolina, or, or Newsom of, of Northwestern. I think if you want Horn or Newsom, it could involve a trade up, which which we've talked about in previous podcasts. But Nate, for Andrew Barry's press conference today, your first question was about trading out of the first round. What prompted that that line of questioning? Because I thought the answer was I thought the answer was interesting, and I thought the question was a really good one to ask actually. So what, what kind of prompted that line of questioning? Well, he had been asked about trade scenarios right before that, you know, and he, he kind of talked about trading up, trading down, how he thinks at 26, there's a lot of flexibility, could do either one. But I wanted to specifically ask about not just trading down, but trading down and out of round one, because at 26 overall, right? I mean, there's only 32 teams in the NFL, 32 picks. He easily trade down far enough to get out of the first round. I think it would be kind of amusing. <laughs> Cleveland's hosting the draft, and then the Browns don't even pick in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I just I kind of thought, like, okay, the trade-up makes a lot of sense for what we've said before, and I loved your scenario that you laid out a podcast or two ago about how it makes sense to trade up to number 21 with the Colts, get ahead of the Titans at 22 who figure to want a cornerback. But if they don't trade up and they want to stick and pick and they want a corner, which I suspect, and the four corners who form that top tier and, uh, you know, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley and Greg Newsom are all gone when they go on the clock at 26. You know, maybe trading down is appealing. So, you know, if you, I, I just thought it was something that we hadn't asked. I hadn't heard an answer to. So, you know, trying to cover all bases, be a little bit different. And that's why I asked a question. I'm wondering what you thought was interesting about the response. Well, it's left me in a place now where I feel there's like an even amount of odds for the Browns to trade up, stay at 26 or trade back. You know, 30 say there's a 33 percent chance on each one of those. I don't know what to do with that other one percent to get us to 100 uh, percent in the favorite, if that makes sense. 
So I just kind of thought it was interesting that for a guy who has excelled at sidestepping questions, he, he sidestepped yours about trading out of the first round, but he at least entertained the question. You know, like a lot of GMs just kind of say really short, concise answers that really give you an indication of, okay, that this, this is probably what's going to happen here. But now, after hearing Barry's answer to your question, I have no confidence in anything that the Browns <laughs> could do in six days, whether it's go yeah. up, stay, or go back. So that it it made my brain fuzzy is all. So <laughs> that that's why. Well, he didn't rule it out, right? And he joked about it. Exactly. Is that? I think that's what might, maybe you're getting at. So he basically said, you know, a quiet Thursday night would would not be would probably would not be popular among this group, meaning the media. Like he thinks we want to write about a first round pick. I mean, personally, it's not going to ruin my night if they tra- trade out of the first round. Be working either way, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but it it would make for a really interesting. A really interesting Friday night. I mean, he would be loading up. He would have at least two second round picks. I think here's why it makes sense, Dan. It makes it, it makes more sense for them, I think, to go up and get a corner because they have the nine draft picks. They've got a loaded roster. You don't think nine rookies are going to make the team. We've, we've been there. We've done that. I like your scenario of going up to the Colts. Five picks isn't crazy to move up and on the on the board. You give up something, but you don't, you know, give up a ton. All that makes the most sense to me if you're moving. What enters my mind if you move back is that this is a weird year. You didn't have a combine. The medicals are different than usual. You had players who are in the draft who didn't play last year because they opted out. So, you know, punting on the first round so to speak might make more sense than ever before because of the unusual circumstances you get a first round pick in return in 2022 and you get two second round picks to roll with on friday night i could see it i mean i just don't see it as the likeliest scenario but we know that trading down is the staple of analytics now, what you're doing is you, you're giving up that fifth-year option on a guy this year, you know, and I did ask him about that. The fifth-year option has evolved over the years because of the CBA changes. Now it's fully guaranteed as soon as you exercise it. That did not used to be the case. You used to have more flexibility as a team. It was guaranteed only for injury. Like with the last two draft classes, for instance, it was guaranteed for injury when you exercise it. And then it wasn't guaranteed fully until the league year started, the year of the option. That happened to David Njoku this year. Remember, his uh, fifth-year option became fully guaranteed at 4 p.m. March 17th, and he sent out uh, gifts of Leonardo DiCaprio, or a gift of Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, <laughs> you know, raising a glass for a toast and celebration. So $6 million-plus fifth-year option for him became guaranteed when that clock struck four. Today, Barry exercised the fifth-year options of Baker Mayfield, 
and Denzel Ward. And the difference was those salaries became fully guaranteed as soon as he did it. There was a change in um, the mechanism of, of, of that, you know, contractual device that that we saw for the first time today with with Mayfield and Ward. So I, I, I was basically trying to ask Barry if I mean, you obviously first round picks are sexy and appealing and the, the, the top talent's supposed to go in the first round. But is it a little just slightly a sliver less appealing? Um, you know, because the fifth year option isn't as team friendly now. And Barry basically said, not really. It's a moot point. So there you go. Yeah, it, my, my feeling on a trade back would be, yes, that, that is a very analytics thing to do. And that was kind of my idea of the Browns trading with the Colts to go up, is that the Colts like acquiring more picks. And the, the way Chris Ballard or the Colts thinks, I think, is pretty similar to how Andrew Barry thinks. But a trade up for the Browns, to me, is appealing because you can target the one player you want. But thinking about a trade back now, you know, you, you start thinking about the money part of things. If you do get that, you know, second first round pick in 2022, let's say, you know, if you have to make a difficult decision on Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry based on how much money they're going to make, that, that gives you another chip to use to take a wide receiver early in the draft because there's going to be great wide receivers in the draft next year and the year after that and the year after that, and they're going to be cheap. So I, I think that's very possible. So, Nate, if you had to predict right now, and of course this, is, this could very well change at a moment's notice. It could change by the time we record next week. It could change by draft night. I mean, we just saw um, the Chiefs trade their first-round pick to Baltimore for Orlando Brown, the right tackle. So um, if you had to... If you had to hazard a guess right now, do you think it's more likely the Browns trade or pick at 26? Now, I, I guess I'm giving you trade up or down in that scenario or pick at 26. Which do you think is more likely? Uh, I just, <laughs> the problem I have is, is one of the corners going to be there? Like if Greg Newsom's there, I think they're picking him. Mm. So That's fair. So is Greg Newsom going to be there? My answer hinges on that. I, I mean, well, I guess I, I guess the way you set the percentages earlier, it makes sense to say it's more likely that they'll trade. If you give me 33% up, 33% down, <laughs> that's 66 is better than the 33 to stay. So I guess that's true. my answer. But I just need to know if Greg Newsom is lasting till 26. I'll tell you, doing the USA Today mock draft uh, – this morning running through it and we're going to have it up Monday. Mm. I was in a conundrum and made me think about trading out of the first round. It got to 26 and those four corners were gone and it was not a good feeling, especially mm. my, my galley boy bias. <laughs> um, I had to figure out something else. Yeah. No trades allowed. Uh, oh, so, you know, they're, they're right. actually, yeah, the, you know, beat writers ahead of me uh, picked the, the four corners. And the last one picked was by the Titans at 22. So that trade up to the Colts would have worked like a gem. 
Uh, mm. I was not able to execute that, obviously. Well, let me ask let me ask you this because you asked me uh, last week or the week before about Caleb Farley, the Virginia Tech cornerback, who he opted out last season. He has minimal amount of experience at cornerback, and then he had back surgery this offseason. I'm kind of stuck on the idea that uh, the Browns shouldn't risk taking him and hoping it works, even though he is supremely, supremely talented. Do you think they should then? Yeah, you know why? Because... The more I've read about him, the more I've checked checked into, uh, you know, just what people like um, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, and you know, I know I know you uh, know the draft inside and out, Dan. But it's just like from the analyst community, it seems that people love the guy's talent. Like I know it's raw, and you know, only two years of sample size as a defensive player. But the idea that, I mean, Jeremiah was on a conference call the other day that that I was on and said he's the best corner in the draft. It's all about the medical. If your doctors are comfortable with it, you take them if you can without hesitation. I've kind of come around on that. Also, you know, I've been writing about him. It's going to be a story that we'll we'll have online next week. But the back surgeries, two of them. I mean, that's that's really a, a an alarming thing here. Two back surgeries, just had one in March. They're from the same weightlifting injury, though. So I don't know. I mean, on the surface, when you hear two back surgeries, you're like, whoa. But the fact that they happen from the same deadlift, according to Farley, is interesting to me. Like, here's a guy who had a weightlifting injury. They do happen. And... Instead of getting both discs that were damaged fixed right away, he had one disc fixed and then tried to let the other one heal on its own because of how active he is or, you know, and other whatever reasons that, you know, I can't explain, but this is coming from him. Um, basically, that, that disc that went left unrepaired did not heal, so they had to go back and repair it in March. So I just think it's it's kind of interesting, Dan, because if he has both discs fixed right away, we're talking about one back surgery and maybe not viewing them in the same way. But because he had two surgeries, the way it went down off of one injury, I think it just, you know, I don't know, makes it on the surface just a little more hesitant about him. I guess the more I've heard him talk about the injury, the circumstances surrounding it, I could see a team, you know, still being comfortable with them as long as their doctors are telling them behind the scenes. But just the story of the injury and the surgeries is kind of less alarming when you hear about the details than just the headline of two surgeries is. Yeah, that look, that that's probably a fair way of of viewing it, especially when you're talking to the guy firsthand. And I am an idiot who knows nothing about medicine, but man, I, I got to tell you, just you don't know what kind of degenerative effects it, it it could have, what you know how it's changed the way he plays, 
that that kind of stuff. Um, he, he's such an unknown for me that it, I guess I'm just a big baby on him. So I, I don't know. I, I'm glad you're digging around on this one, though, because I I think he will be in play. And I think there's a better chance that he'll be there at 26 than the three other guys. So, yeah, that, that, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and then it's and then it's what your medical staff thinks, really, because that's why I keep saying Greg News because it's like if Greg Newsom is there at twenty six, I just think it's it just makes sure. too much sense. There's you know, I agree. Farley's more of a complicated conversation, and we don't know what the doctors think, so we might get a chance to find out though. Yeah, we will. Uh, again, the draft is is Thursday night in Cleveland, and we'll, we will have full coverage of that over on the Beacon Journal's website. Nate, the, the other question you asked today to Andrew Barry also interested me, and it was the notion that he wouldn't take a linebacker in the first round. And he said, I wouldn't read too much into it. And I, I got to tell you, over the weekend, I put together my Browns seven-round mock draft. Uh, we're going to have that on the site on Tuesday. That, that's the plan. And, man, I, I'll tell you, I, I tried several iterations of this thing. I used a mock draft simulator website. Well, I, I guess, what is today? Today's Friday. So I did it Thursday night. I'm sorry. My days are all messed up because I was off. But um, anyway, I, I was using a mock draft simulator to kind of, like, make it a little more difficult for me. And Jamin Davis of Kentucky Every single time, he was like the first or second best player available uh, when I was doing this mock draft. Now, you'll have to find out on, on Tuesday if, if that's what I did for the Browns. But, Nate, I, I thought Andrew Barry's answer to that question you asked again was interesting. Tell me what you thought of it. Well, the quote is less interesting than the way he answered, I thought. So <laughs> let me explain. Uh, the answer to the perception that he just won't take a linebacker in the first round and what he thinks of that perception, um, because thus far he hasn't made a big investment at the position as GM, he said, I won't read too much into it. I mean, I won't let anything define us in that regard. So if you just read the quote, it sounds like he's saying, man, I'd take a linebacker. You guys are wrong. But when he answered it, it uh, the body language and the answer, now this is via Zoom, so take it for what it's worth. It, it, it seemed like not a comfortable topic. Or it just it seemed, <laughs> it just, it, it seemed like there might have been uh, – playing cards close to the vest in that situation. I don't know if you heard him live or if you saw a video of it, Dan. I'd be interested to see your read or or hear your read on it because well, to me, the, the, the way in which he answered it didn't really match the content of the quote. It was a little weird. I, I listened to his press conference twice, actually. I didn't watch the video version of it. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll go for spin number three on the Andrew Barry uh, news conference from today. 
My first reaction, though, when I when I heard it on the radio, it was, you know, I, I've been hung up on this idea for a long time that, you know, Ohio State, for instance, they haven't produced a good NFL quarterback in forever. So, and thus, because Ohio State can't produce NFL quarterbacks, Justin Fields is going to be terrible. And I, I've kind of like... I've grown to hate this notion of, you know, things things now can't be different from what they were in the past. And I, I applied that same mindset to what the Browns think of, of linebacker based on what Andrew Barry said. Now, I like I said, I'll have to go back and watch the Zoom and see this body language, but it, it left me wondering if, if that's in play now. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading him wrong completely, but uh, maybe I, kinda, did, um, I, you know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, that that's the difficult thing about this is that you have to try and decipher something based on what, what's not said. And that, yeah. that's very difficult. I would say he did a very good job with that answer because he left me wondering, um, he left you wondering, you know, I did takeaways, uh, a long takeaways post off this uh, pre-draft news conference, and the quote is in there, so the readers can decide for themselves. Um, but that's a fun thing about the draft is, is we finally, you know, we get to find out what the cards really say, actions speak louder than words, all that stuff. But... I mean, Andrew Berry's a really honest guy. He uh, last year said a tackle's a tackle. I would not hesitate at all to to pick a right tackle, move him to left tackle. I mean, he did. He did that with Jedrick Wills. So mm-hmm. I don't see him as as a uh, frequent user of smoke screens at all. You know, but this is the NFL draft too, and he's not going to tell us what he's going to do. But I don't know if. If they pick Zayvon Collins, I'll say, hey, you know, he said, he said, don't be fooled by this perception. And he meant it. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was kind of a, it was toward the end of the news conference. Maybe, maybe he kind of wanted to get out of there and back to the board up in the (laughs) draft room in Berea. Um, But it just, it was a little bit, just seemed a little bit off. But, you know. It threw, yeah. it threw me. It threw me off. I, I don't really know. It's open interpretation. You could go either way with it. <laughs> you know, save taking like quarterback or running back in the first round. Nate, I got to tell you, we're at the point where nothing is going to shock me with what the Browns do in in the draft this year when it comes to what they do with the 26th pick. That includes positions, players, trades. The, the whole deal, uh, nothing is going to, to shock me unless they take a quarterback or something or a running back. And again, that, that, that too is the beauty of the draft. Um, you know, speaking of Andrew Barry getting up to back to the draft board, I thought it was fascinating that he revealed to you all uh, the size of his his draft board, 114 draftable players. Uh, what was it? 168 players total. You know, so the rest are undrafted free agent possibilities. And you know, you have these 
these websites that do draft coverage and they they do like four or five hundred player big boards of of stuff i'm always fascinated hearing the actual number of of things like out of those 114 the browns probably have like i don't know 15 between 15 and 20 first round type of players you know so i thought that was kind of neat hearing that i i liked hearing that what did you think of that part of barry's press conference yeah i loved it and i it made me greedy i'm like all right so how many corners but he's not gonna <laughs> he's not gonna say that um but yeah that was that was interesting and he said that it's typically between 115 and 130 uh prospects who received draftable grades so this class got to 114 so just shy of that of that range that he mentioned but he said it was a really good class many times so uh you know it, it was interesting that he that he put that out there. I think it was kind of a you know, hey, I'm. It really isn't going to mean a lot. It's not going to. It's not going to hurt us to say this number. So let's just throw you guys a bone. And then that was his in his opening statement. And then the rest of it was, hey, I'm going to uh, keep those cards really close to the vest, which, which you would <laughs> expect, you know. Sure. Man, now see now even thinking about it, him saying that it's a good draft and um, 114 draftable players. Now I'm starting to think they might trade back. You know, get get more of those picks in a good draft. And I, I mean, that. hey, if they if they don't pick on Thursday night, like I said with Cleveland hosting, there's it's, there's going to be something funny about that. But yeah. I mean, it, it just, you can't rule it out because he didn't rule it out. So, yeah. And look, it also, let, let's shoot down the, this notion. I, I've seen this online a little bit. Uh, the NFL is going to make the Browns make a pick in the first round because they're the host city. That is the dumbest thing I've heard in a really long time. If the Browns want to trade out of the first round, they're going to trade out of the first round. And the NFL can't really stop them, really. Oh, so, never, I didn't I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I, I, I've seen people talking about that here and there. Oh, I, I've, really? heard, I've heard radio people talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, just, just saying it offhandedly. Oh, the NFL won't let them trade out of the first round. Oh, it's just stupid. I had no idea anyone would ever think that. That had nothing to do with why I asked him. I just think it can happen because, you know, when when he was with the Sashi Brown group in his first stint here in Cleveland, we know that the MO was a trade down. So, you know, Mm -hmm. he didn't do it last year. He stuck there. He picked Jedrick Wills. It was a glaring need. They got it. The guy there. At a, at a position that's it's very important, made a ton of sense. Wills had a promising rookie season. So, I'll, you know, maybe we're back to trading down now. We we could be. We, we very well could be. We'll, we'll but, talk more. Yeah, go ahead. But that does counter the idea that they don't want to pick 
or not that they don't want to, that it would make sense for them to to pick fewer players than choices they have right now because of mm-hmm. the ro- state of the roster. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You trade down and then take some of your later picks and spin them forward into next year. I could see that too. You know, yeah. it goes back to the idea of not having the quality information that you usually have. Mm-hmm. And and having the future uh, commodity on hand as you as you start getting to a point with your salary cap where some some tough decisions could have to be made because uh, this is my very professional transition into the fifth year option talk. The Browns officially picked up the fifth year options on Friday for quarterback Baker Mayfield and cornerback. Denzel Ward so they're locked in um Nate you wrote that that was a formality and mm-hmm. I, I agree they, they were going to happen so what does this mean if anything to the Browns in the immediate future not not in two years but in in the next year or so what does picking that up officially mean for this team it just means that what we all expected to happen happened and that you have two players at really important positions, including the most important position in the sport, at bargain prices, basically, for an extra season. So not only this coming season, 2021, but now 2022, Mayfield at $18.85 million. Guaranteed, Ward at thirteen point two nine four million guaranteed. So, you know, you 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 basically uh, do that. It's a no-brainer with the players uh, at those positions playing very well and being a big part of your success. I mean, the the only news here would have been really if they didn't pick up either of those options, but it was just going to happen. Now, the next step in the progression, the next step on the calendar, so to speak, is talking contract extension. Now, Mayfield has not had the contract extension talks with the Browns yet, but that's likely to happen later this offseason. That's what I was told today. Um, And, you know, obviously, We've been talking about this for months and months and months. I think it's something that ultimately will happen this summer. Mm. Andrew Barry, I keep going back to one of the availabilities he had this offseason, you know, not long after the Browns went to the divisional round and lost to the Chiefs. Andrew Barry's on Zoom, and he doesn't like to discuss these contract decisions. And he didn't even want to comment, and he declined to comment on whether he would pick up these options, even though we all knew that they were no-brainer moves. So this is just proof. This is his like personal code, his his own policy that he has. He doesn't want to to uh, discuss looming contract decisions. You know, decisions they'll make in the future about guys' contracts, even if it's as procedural as these were. So he's certainly not going to talk extensions if he's not going to talk whether he'll exercise fifth-year options when it's all obvious, right? So he continued not to talk extension today. Um, That's just going to be his public MO. 
but it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. In fact, I thought that the hint he did drop was back in whenever the news conference I'm talking about occurred, January, I think. And that's when he said that he wasn't going to talk about Baker Mayfield's contract extension through the media, but he didn't talk about Miles Garrett's contract extension last year through the media during the you know, 2020 off season, but that he views, you know, this is the same trajectory that Miles was on. So I thought that was the hint, the trajectory, because what they did with Miles is they picked up the fifth year option. They announced it like a week before the deadline. And that's exactly what happened today. The deadline's May 3rd. So they announced it a little bit of advance, get it out of the way before the draft. Uh, and then, they did the same thing with with Miles Garrett, and then they came back and they they negotiated that contract extension in the spring and got it done. He signed it on July fifteenth. So I I could see that I could see that trajectory being the same as Andrew Barry said with Mayfield and extension talks uh, beginning after the draft. And, you know, a target of getting it done in the summer, you want that kind of thing done before training camp, typically. Uh, so I think that's what we're looking at. And I think we're looking at 35 to $40 million a year. Um, mm-hmm. That's just what the quarterback mar- market says right now. And, you know, the bottom line with Baker Mayfield is, did he have a really good r- rookie season? Yes. Did he have a really bad sophomore season? Yes. Uh, did he have a nice bounce back last season? Yes. Was the first part of the season great? No. But did he come on strong? Yes. Did he finish with 20 touchdowns and two interceptions? Yes. Took him to the playoffs and they won a playoff game? Yeah. So, of course, there's some projection here as to what he'll be uh, next season moving forward. But I think the Browns are really bullish on him. I think they think he's going to take the next steps they want him to take under Kevin Stefanski, he's finally got the same head coach and the same playbook in consecutive years for the first time as a pro. And I think that they're probably going to look to get ahead of the market on this. I mean, it's already going to be super expensive, but if the longer you wait and if he does take those next steps, he's going to play himself into a more lucrative deal. And, you know, if you're Andrew Barry, you like to get ahead of things. That's what he did last summer with Miles Garrett talked about it before but at the time it was a little bit i mean not surprising that you extend miles garrett but just a little bit interesting because of the fact that miles garrett was coming off the helmet incident with mason rudolph the six game suspension to end the season and there was time he could have let him play a little bit more to see how he was going to come back i mean it seems like such a no-brainer now but back then at the time it was like a huge trauma that occurred for miles garrett dealing with that incident the fallout the racial component with him accusing uh, mason rudolph of a of a slur i mean it was a it was a huge deal it was traumatic uh but andrew barry was like i have faith in this guy he's a tremendous player we think he's going to bounce back and we're going to get ahead of the market we're going to extend him now instead of waiting and making sure he's okay uh we're going to extend him because we have all the reason to believe that, you know, this isn't going to define his career. It's not going to define his life. And he's going to bounce back, be a high character guy um, on and off the field and, and be a huge producer. So they got the deal done when they did. Now it looks really smart because two weeks later, 
the Bosa deal superseded it and became the highest contract for a non-quarterback in NFL history. Mm-hmm. So, look, we we can get into the talk about the actual contract numbers in the offseason because it, it to me it's it's going to be closer to forty million than than thirty five. I think that's going right now for for starting quarterbacks in the NFL, good starting quarterbacks. So let me ask you, is getting in front of Mark for Andrew Bear getting ahead of, of Baltimore and Buffalo when they want to re-sign Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen? Because I like kind of like the Bosa deal you just mentioned, I, I kind of feel like that that's what they would like to do, get ahead of Allen who is really, really good. And Jackson, who, you know, he had a down last season, but he's an MVP. Those two guys are going to be extremely expensive and market-setting, I think more so than Baker Mayfield. So do you think Barry and the Browns want to get ahead of the market on those two specific players? I don't know about those two specific guys. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get ahead of those two guys. Uh, but I just think that, you know, the idea of of, of getting it done um, sooner than later appeals to Barry and the idea that they project Mayfield to continue to play better. I think it's more about that, to be honest. And he was asked about those guys today. And it was a great question because I think that uh, we talk about this, Dan, the human element is a factor here. Because I think Baker Mayfield is going to be, you know, understanding and reasonable about this. But I do think that there's something to the idea that if the Browns don't sign him to an extension before the Bills sign Allen and the Ravens sign Lamar Jackson to extensions, I think there's almost like a, hey, what about me? That would be natural human reaction, you know, on Baker Mayfield's behalf. I don't know. I I could see him, you know, kind of feeling like, you know, when when when's it going to be my turn here? You know, these are guys who were drafted behind me in the same draft class. They haven't, you know, done a, a ton more than me. Obviously, the Bills and Josh Allen went to the AFC Championship game one one round further than the Browns. But yeah, Mayfield, you know, he's he's made quite a case for himself. You know, the way he ended the year and with everything that he's overcome with all the coaching changes and, and, and playbook changes that he's had here since 2018. And as Andrew Barry said earlier this off season, he's risen above it all. I mean, again, to me, you're talking like you want to extend this guy when you say things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, I, th- I think you will. And, and, and I don't think it's necessarily like Barry said today, they're not, I, I do believe that they're not going to feel pressured based on that based on Allen and and Lamar, but I think Baker, it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. And maybe we'll never know. Maybe it'd be all behind the scenes, but I think it would be just a human, natural human response to want to be, you know, 
rewarded and shown the respect that those other guys get theirs first. Yeah, and and players and agents, and that, that's very important, they get competitive with, with their contracts and their per-year numbers. I mean, all you have to do is look at um, wide receiver numbers for 2021 and look how many are within $100,000 of, of each other. You know, like Odell Beckham is at $15.75 million for 2021. Tyreek Hill is at 15.85. Chris Godwin just signed for 15.98. You know, so these, that's something players care about, saying, hey, I make more money. You know, that, that's a thing. It's, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. So, competitors. So, sure. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, any, any thoughts on the Denzel Ward part of things? To me, he's still a guy. I'm not sure he gets done this summer similar to Mayfield. Do you have any thoughts on Ward at this point? Is it different? Has it changed at all? I feel uh, what, that, I, yeah, I feel he's definitely behind Mayfield in line for an extension because I think that I, here's something. I would not be surprised if Nick Chubb got extended before Baker Mayfield. And people might say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You, you, you know, it's the quarterback. Yeah, but you don't have as much time to work with Nick Chubb on this. The clock is ticking louder. He is not under contract next season. Baker Mayfield with, with the fifth-year option is. So... I would not be shocked if if they tried if Andrew Barry looks at this very strategically and um, you know just in, <laughs> looks at the timeline and and is very logical about it and tries to get something done with Nick Chubb and then Mayfield and the reason why Mayfield overward is because once it's Mayfield that's the biggest contract on the on the team on the franchise yep. and. and and you just you can kind of just get that done and then everything else you figure out from there. You know, that's that's your your foundation, your baseline. And then you go from there when it comes to spinning things into the future and Ward would come would come next. But I, I you know, I think you get that that first big, you know, highest number set and know exactly what you're working with beyond it. But the timeline makes me think it's a possibility that Chubb actually gets done before these other guys. I think that sounds right. And I think that will be right. However, I just can't shake the notion of the, the running back value. And look, we don't have to get to the weeds too much in this now. Well, this is an off season topic more than anything, but, but it is the off season. Well, I mean, after the draft off season. <laughs> See, this is your season. <laughs> yes, and, indeed it is. Well, because like I, I, I'm looking at Ezekiel Elliott's contract, and I'm looking at Derrick Henry's contract, and those guys are making over thirteen million dollars a year, and they're the top two running backs for 2021 in terms of pay. You can argue, especially with Elliott, that he's not one of the two best running backs in the NFL. And then after that, you have Saquon Barkley, who's a little different because he's on his rookie contract. So he's getting $10 million based on where he was picked. 
but then you have Melvin Gordon and Joe Mixon at over eight million. Melvin Gordon is just shy of nine million. That that that's just such a tough sell uh, for the position, knowing you have Kareem Hunt. I love Nick Chubb. I want the Browns to re-sign Nick Chubb. It's it's just tough for me to to say Nick Chubb should get a contract before Denzel Ward and before Wyatt Teller. So yeah, that 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 is fascinating to me. The the salary cap of the Cleveland Browns, I think it's gonna be the story for this team, other than what they do on the field, obviously. I think how they manage the salary cap is going to be fascinating in the next two years, let's say, um, or even 16 months, really. But, man, it's, I don't want to be the Browns cap person is basically what I'm getting at, Nate. They have, they're going to have a very hard job. Um, hmm. Well, they're all, you know, very, very smart guys in this front office. And it starts with Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta. So I would think that this is yeah. all in their wheelhouse. You know, I mean, this I is, hope so. This is what they're there for. So, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. you could you could. You can talk about I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to you can get into a whole debate about analytics versus old school, you know, scouting and you know, this and that, but I, I think Andrew Barry is a blend of those, but I also think that, you know, when it comes to this stuff, yeah, I, I like the, the Harvard front office and, and its chances to, to figure it out. And, and, and you, you know, there's, I think there's money on the way. There's new TV contracts. Everybody talks about sure. it, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that their timing is pretty, ideal for some of these extensions that they're going to make here because we don't know all the numbers but you know the nfl wants wants fans in the stands this year um you know with with vaccine sweeping the country there is that and then there's also the tv deals this is a this is a weird year where they're dealing with the COVID cap. They don't have as much money to work with, but that shouldn't be the case moving forward. Um, You know, barring another global disaster, let's hope that this one gets sorted out. We've been dealing with it long enough. Jeez. So I think the NFL teams believe that they're going to have more cap space to deal with, and I think that's got to be part of the projection Andrew Berry's making. Yeah, you're you're right, but... I got to ask you just just flat out mm-hmm. are you telling me that you would take a Harvard education and guys who work in NFL front offices knowing what they're doing over my University of Akron education and not working in an NFL front office is that is that what you're saying right now Nate because I mean I was on a I was on a news conference with Andrew Berry earlier um, so what I'll say is I'm comfortable with Harvard and I'm comfortable with the University of Akron. Both of them make me comfortable. Either way, I'm comfortable. Well, fair enough. Go Zips. Kent State sucks. Moving on 
last last topic for the day. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, Nate is a Kent State graduate, uh, as is his wonderful wife. But uh, be that as it may, last last bit of of news is is the Sheldon Richardson. Uh, he was released last week. Look, I to me, I I think that was pretty written in the stars after Jadavian Clowney signed. Gives the Browns a little more wiggle room immediately. But Nate, now now I'm wondering because the talk about Sheldon Richardson from Kevin Stefanski in particular and Andrew Barry today was very positive. Do you think the Browns are hoping to bring Sheldon Richardson back? Do you think they want to bring him back at a cheaper deal? I think they definitely want to. I don't know if they'll get to. Um, I have doubts about whether they'll get to. I mean, it. Andrew Barry said it's certainly possible. Kevin Stefanski said he hopes there's a scenario for it. But to me, Sheldon Richardson is a good player, and the Browns have said as much. They just didn't want to pay him $11 million he was scheduled to make this year. They saved about $10 million on the cap, give him some, sell some flexibility. They had about a little over $10 million after they signed Clowney left in cap space. Obviously, they got to sign their draft picks, which would take up most of that. But, you know, with Richardson, now they have a little more than $20 million in cash space with that move, with cutting him. So they've got flexibility if, if, if they want to go out and, you know, maybe the, like we said, the cornerback situation doesn't fall in an ideal fashion for them in the first round. And now they got room to go out and, and get in the veteran cornerback market after the draft if, if they don't get the guy they want who they think can come in and, and be a contributor right away. So there's some flexibility there, you know, if they ever, they swing a trade or whatever and take on a salary. Um, they've basically given themselves that flexibility that they want. And, you know, my thing with Richardson is he's probably just going to be able to get more money somewhere else. Cause I think he's a good player. And, you know, you, you would, I would think if, what the Browns wanted to pay him uh, is something that he was agreeable to. Then they just would have restructured instead of going through all this. But I, I kind of think that he just thinks he's going to be able to get more money and we'll find out if, if he is. So the scenario that Stefanski is hoping for is that, you know, maybe the money that he finds out there on the open market isn't quite what he wanted. Maybe it's even a little bit more than the Browns would like to give him, but he's got the familiarity here, and, uh, you know, maybe he, he would like to come back after all, you know, after testing those waters. So I kind of put that at, at not a, you know, single-digit percentage, but I think it's it's quite a bit more likely that he ends up getting – more than the Browns want to give him elsewhere. I do wonder, I don't know if you happen to know off, off the top of your head, if the Lions could use a defensive tackle, because John Dorsey's there now, and that piques my interest. He signed Sheldon in 2019 to bring him here. Well, I, I do have salary cap numbers up right now, because I've been on over the cap uh, since we've been recording, basically. Uh, the, the Browns have the seventh most available cap space, according to them. 
team right ahead of them, Detroit Lions. Uh, you, you tell me if, if the Lions need a defensive tackle. They signed Michael Brockers, or they traded for him, one of the two this offseason from the Rams. He's just okay. They have John Penasini, a 2026th round pick. Nicholas Williams was brought in this offseason. He's an undrafted free agent that Chicago had. They have a seventh round pick from 2020. And they have a guy named Kevin Strong, who I don't know who that is. I don't know who John Passini is. I don't know who Nicholas Williams is. I don't know who Jay Sean Cornell is. And Michael Brockers is just pretty good, not great at this point. So, yeah, I, I think that's very possible that the Lions could be in the market for for Sheldon Richardson. I think you might have just uh, you might have just dug one up on, on us live on the recording. Nate. There you go. I'm glad you had all that ready because I really I had no idea. I just know what Dorsey thinks of him. So it would make sense from that standpoint. Well, I had that ready thanks to uh, the great Dan Shanka and the crew over at Our Lads who do the best – uh, depth charts ever and like if i had to pick five websites to take with me to a desert island i would take our lads just for their depth charts it's great um on, on that note nate anything else this week before we uh check out of here well i i do want to think about uh real quick the idea of defensive tackles skyrocketing up the list of needs uh, heading into the draft with Sheldon Richardson gone. The Browns have Andrew Billings. You know, they signed him last year. They like him. Starter for the Bengals for two years. Opted out of 2020 season um, because he has asthma and they're obviously COVID-19 concerns. Um, Also family members with, with conditions that he was concerned about. I talked to him and February about this. He says he's planning on playing this year. Then you have Malik Jackson. They're really excited about him. You know, they really want to use him with the three defensive ends. Uh, obviously, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley on a four-man front on third downs. And yeah, I think that that's going to be a really interesting and, and fun group to watch from a pass rush standpoint. I'm on an obvious passing down. And then they've got the, you know, 2020 third round pick Jordan Elliott, who they like, you know, had some flashes last year, but you know, you like to have more than that at defensive tackle. So I am, I am wondering what you think, you know, Christian Barmore is a first round guy in, in, in the eyes of the vast majority of analysts, but going back to the Daniel Jeremiah call, actually I asked him about Barmore because I wanted to write something about Barmore with Sheldon being gone to have a presence there because I think Browns fans are interested. And Mm -hmm. Jeremiah shot it down pretty strongly, said he thinks that Barmore's more more than likely a second-round guy and just doesn't seem at 26 for the Browns. So um, he said, you know, it wouldn't be a, 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 a huge reach if they did it, but he thinks he's a second-round guy. I'm wondering what you think of him before we go. Well, I like him, and, and I think where the Browns are 
is about the range where he's picking. Now, uh, I will I will happily admit that Daniel Jeremiah uh, knows an extremely large amount more about football than I will ever wish to to know. Uh, he's he's the best, legitimately the best. But I still like Barmore in spite of what what DJ said. Um, he look Barmore is raw. I, I think that's that's fairly obvious when you watch him play. I think he can. I, I think some of the run stuff can mix him up a little bit. I think he needs to get his handwork better and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he, he's not as far along as as you would typically see. Um, he was really productive last season. Eight sacks three forced fumbles, three pass defended. Um, just a, I, I just think he's really good. I think he's a guy that, that kind of does what Sheldon Richardson did. You know, so if you don't bring Richardson back, I think I think he's a, a nice replacement. So I, I'm still a supporter of, of Christian Barmore. All right. Well... I will say that that if your view should make you feel better about the alley boy thing because it just strengthens the field, and that's you have the field, so good for you. Look, man, I I am not doubting this bet at all. Um, I would even go so far as to double down. Um, I would double down on this bet and say. I'll take defensive line and you can have linebackers if you want to tag on some uh, potato teasers or whatever those are called. Um, well, what do you mean, whatever those are called? That, that's what they're called, right? Potato teasers? Well, you either get them or you don't. You got to know what they're well, called. To order them. Look, man, I'm an hour into recording a podcast <laughs> talking about the Browns. The, the name is escaping you, my well, head right you now. You do order them, right? Of course I do. Okay. It's the second best thing on the menu. You're not a monster. I understand. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, potato teasers. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So I get linebackers and corners, and, yes. you, get, and you get the field with potato teasers. So I'm basically, I'm, I'm picking up linebacker. What is this? I don't know. Yes. I think being generous, but I'm picking up, I'm picking up linebackers for for some potato teasers. That's right. Basically, I'm weaseling my way into a whole meal. Next week, I'm going to figure out a way for you to also buy me a California to go along with the galley boy and the potato teasers. That's what I'm doing. If you asked for a milkshake, I would go along with it. But I don't know if I can endorse the California option. I mean, I know it's good and everything. I just my go to is the galley boy. The potato teasers with, with and you know, I dabble in ranch a little bit. Sure. And a milkshake. I, I get the chocolate peanut butter milkshake. It's a combination. They say, oh, well, you want to charge charge a little extra for the combination? Of course. Pay, yeah, I will pay the extra for the combination just like I will pay extra Chipotle every single time you ask me about guacamole. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what, it, I know what I'm in for. Yeah, let's do it. Wow. Yeah. And but um, 
if I don't mix the flavors, then I go banana. I would go banana. Banana is really strong. How how very LeBron James of you. Well, I know, and I saw that one time I read a quote from him saying banana was the only flavor to get Swenson's. Uh, the combination of the chocolate peanut butter uh, makes that quote inaccurate. Otherwise, mm. I would agree. You know, I've never gotten the banana milkshake at, at Swenson's. I've also never gotten a combination milkshake. So... Yeah, maybe maybe I'm just a a Swenson's noob compared to you. I had to question <laughs> the name Potato Teasers. So so yeah. Anyway, everybody check in with us next week. Again, the plan is to record a podcast hopefully early in the week. Maybe doing some final draft predictions, any kind of news that pops up, that kind of stuff. Uh, and who knows? Maybe I'll get Nate to uh, get me a full meal at Swenson's at this point. But that is going to do it for cover two. There's a ton of Browns coverage over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There's stuff on uh, being in Cleveland for the draft itself. There's a bunch of player features. Uh, there's there's more news from the Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski news conference that has happened. So please go check that out. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. That is going to do it for our podcast this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.